Hello and welcome to Master My Garden podcast, the podcast that helps you master your own garden with useful tips, advice and know-how as you go on the way and journey of mastering your own garden. I'm your host John Jones and it's a pleasure to be with you here today. So let's get stuck in to this week's episode. Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 7 of Master My Garden podcast. Now in this week's episode I've decided to go a little bit off topic or slightly off topic let's say and we're going to look at ways we can keep children entertained in our gardens. Now many of us find ourselves somewhat isolation now uh, due to the current situations. There's a lot of people without child, well everybody is without childcare as such and you have a lot of people still trying to work from home and so on. So it can be difficult juggling it all. It's difficult for us as parents to remain sane during this whole experience. And I suppose for the children as well, if you think of it from their perspective, they don't like being confined and they're finding that they're, they're being confined. They're not able to mix with their, their friends. They're not getting to run around and play in school like they normally do. So for them also, it's a, it's a, a bit of a strange experience. So, I suppose at times like this we have to kind of come up with you know good ideas and things that we can do ourselves and I suppose a bored mind maybe that's where the best ideas come from so we're going to look at as I say at 10 things that we could do with the children in the garden doesn't matter what sort of a garden you have as I say mastering your own garden basically means that that space whatever it is that you call your garden that you feel content is happy and that you have good memories from that place. You know, that's that's what mastering your garden is all about. So we're going to look at 10 things that you can do with your children over the next few weeks or however long this thing lasts. Things that we can do in order to have a bit of fun and to ensure that when we get out the other side of this that we all have happy memories and that particularly the children have happy memories of this. So some of you may not have children of this age but uh, you, I'm sure you'll know somebody so you can share it with them. And as I say, the more people, you know, this type of thing is exactly what's needed. Um, so let's go through them. We, as I say, we have 10 things. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to make a bug hotel. Now, this can be as simple as, or as elaborate as you want. The Basically, the whole object of it is that we're trying to attract in um, different types of, of insects. And they could be things like uh, bees, beetles, ladybirds, butterflies, moths, and so on. And when they start coming in, then we have we sort of add another layer to what we're doing here and that we can come up with ways of identifying them, finding out what exactly we have and so on. And when we're making a book hotel, what we're doing is we're looking to put it in a, in a, in a sort of a sheltered spot within the garden, not too exposed, not too open. They like that little bit of uh, privacy as such. And the way we do it, we can we can make it out of anything. And there's plenty of very, very good YouTube videos or tutorials online that you can see to make them as simple or as elaborate as you want. But the basic materials that you need, you need uh, stones, some, you can use things like kindling, straw, old terracotta pots, red clay bricks, the, you know, the old ones that you used to get with the holes in them, bark, we can use uh, fallen leaves, can use dead wood, uh, dead branches, old pallets, or anything like that. 
and the concept of a bug hotel is that we're creating layers and different layers have attract in different types of insects so we'll have uh, wood maybe with holes drilled in it and that's good for certain types of bees and wasps then we have the uh, dead wood with the bark crinkling off and that's good for wood lice and beetles and so on and all those layers attract in something different so your bug hotel over time becomes an abs- an, a, a hive of activity as such and as I say you get lots of different insects in and then the job becomes or the fun becomes identifying what we have looking at the creepy crawlies and you know having a bit of fun with that so that's the first thing make a bug hotel and as i say you can make that if it's a small garden you have or a big garden you can make it as small or as big as you want or if you have a really big space you can make a couple of them and you know put them in different areas but make sure that they're in a spot that's sheltered and a spot that's a little bit secluded because that's where you'll get the the most benefit from it that's point number one make a bug hotel point number two then we actually touched on this a little bit in episode number three of master my garden podcast which was called for the birds and that one was about attracting wild birds into the garden but this is a really good thing very very simple thing to do which is make your own suet balls or fat balls now it is they are one of the i suppose the birds favorite foods and they're really really simple to make so exactly what we need to make this is we need suet or lard from a supermarket and again that's you know something that's readily available and what you do is you melt it in a pot and when it's melted you can add in oats uh, porridge oats and just mix them all up until it becomes a sort of a semi-dry mix then you, you roll them into balls and you put those into the freezer or you can make them into little square cakes and put them into the freezer now you can get fancy with that as well it doesn't have to be just plain suet and porridge so long as the parents allow you can add in raisins you know any type of fruit sultanas etc or even nuts you know almonds or peanuts or hazelnuts or whatever it is that you have in the in the kitchen so you can add those to it and create a little bit of variety the other thing that you can do if you don't have so generally there is a what's called a fat ball feeder and that's specifically designed for feeding fat balls but if you don't happen to have that and you're not looking to go out and buy one, you're, you want to stay within your own your own environment, then that's fine. What you can do is get a piece of, of string or wool and tie a couple of knots in it and have the knot, as, as, you, as you make those balls before you put them into the freezer, have that knot sitting in the middle of the ball so that it, it's able to hold it and it doesn't slip down. And then you can bring that out and you can tie it to your tree or tie it to your bird table. And the birds will come very very quickly for that now if you make a lot of them don't put them all out at the start put it out make sure the birds are coming make sure the birds are eating it and then replace it and again as i said with the last with with making the book hotel what we can do here is we can actually start to identify the birds so what sort of birds have we got out here today we'll have a look and say oh i recognize this one and you know it becomes a again a, a secondary a secondary bit of fun along with the initial thing which they're going to love by mixing and getting their hands dirty and then putting it in the freezer they're going to love all that so that's point point number two make your own suet balls point number three and i think this is a hugely important it's a hugely important point anyway for people who are who are gardening and who have children for children to know where their food comes from and to understand how food comes to be and how it just lands it doesn't just land into their fridge you know they get to see from 
the sowing of the seed through to the eating of it at the table. I think that's hugely important. The best ones to grow here, so we'll look, we'll look at kind of two things. We'll look at maybe the vegetable growing first and the easiest vegetables to grow. And again, I've said it before, what, what you're looking to do here is grow things that they would like to eat and things that you would like to eat yourself. But maybe some of the simpler ones to start with, if you have never done it before, is tomatoes. You can easily sow them, get your compost, stick in your tomato seed, give it a little bit of water and keep it on the windowsill. Or if, you have, if you're lucky enough to have a glass house, put it in there or a polythene tunnel. So, you know, you're starting it inside. Very quickly they'll see the seed germinating and then they'll nurture it. They'll water it, they'll, f- they'll feed it and they'll watch it as it comes all the way through and eventually you'll be eating your tomatoes from it. Other simple ones then, lettuce is really simple to grow. It comes in many different colours and you know shapes, but it germinates quickly. It's easy to germinate, so you're going to have success with it. Other good ones, beetroot for example. Not all children like beetroot, I'm sure, but it's again, it, it's, it's easy to grow, easy to germinate. Obviously then when you cut it, it's, it's that red deep red flesh that will stay in your hands and clothes but it's a good way of getting them interested in you know maybe a different taste something that they haven't had before radishes then again quite a peppery taste but really fast to grow and obviously they come in good colors you can get reds and whites and so on but because they're so fast they'll feel very very quickly that there's you know a sense of accomplishment in in growing those then obviously you can grow something like potatoes and in episode number four of the podcast we went through a complete guide to growing potatoes and part of that was growing potatoes in containers and that's probably the way you'd start with with, with kids um, so if you have a couple of containers now they can be anything you know a pot that's 30 centimeters in diameter upwards and if you start with compost half fill the pot put in say for a 30 centimeter pot put in two tubers or two little seed potatoes cover them back in with a little bit of compost about four inches or so and then when they start to sprout up and start to come through that compost you'll top up top it up further and put another little bit of compost in and you'll keep doing that but i said if you want to listen to the full the full thing in episode number four and we go through all that but what you can do then if you have you know a couple of children or a couple of pots you can have you know pot each maybe so different varieties but then when it comes comes to the end you're going to see you know which ones perform best maybe who had the most potatoes under it and it becomes i won't say a competition but it's a little bit of a little bit of fun between the kids so that's a really good one as well and then when you talk about fruit so obviously we're going to automatically think of probably the most popular one to grow children which is strawberries and that is you know it's probably the simplest thing to grow can be grown in pots or can be grown in the ground and again you will get quite a quick return on it so if you're if you're planting it now you're definitely going to have strawberries provided you're using good quality plants you're going to have strawberries you know june july there'll be some strawberries there nine times out of ten they won't be left on the plant long enough to to get fully ripe because as soon as they see them turning red they'll take them but that's all part of the fun and as I said, strawberries really easy to grow. So raspberries then is another one, slightly different. So you're growing these on a cane, but they're again they're really easy to grow. And provided you have a little bit of space, plant them in, and at some stage during the year, depending on whether it's a, 
a summer cropping one or a, an autumn cropping one, you will have raspberries at some stage during the year. And they will continue to come back over the years and they'll get stronger as the years go by. So again, strawberries and raspberries, very, very simple, very easy to, to grow. Things like black currants as well, really simple. Plant them now and you will have black currants in, in July, July and early August. So again, lots of little ideas, lots of simple ways of showing kids how to grow your own, but also that they start to get a concept of it. But most importantly, as you're doing it now over the next couple of weeks, it's fun. It's something that, you know, as I say, they, they get a bit of pride from it. It but it becomes their little little job within the house and yeah, they they really do latch onto that and they really do protect their plants and look after them. They'll be delighted then at the end when you're sitting down and you're eating eating whatever it is, the tomatoes or the lettuce. So that's the point number three, grow your own food. The next one is along the same line, so it's grow your own flowers. And this one is a great one because there's some really, really easy flowers to grow. And obviously something like a sunflower is, you know, it's one of the most popular ones for children. The reason being it's, it's so tall, number one. They can grow six foot, seven foot tall. They can have seed or flower heads as big as a dinner plate. So they're really, really impressive. And they're easy to grow, can be started in a little pot in the windowsill. Uh, can be started now, it's perfect timing. And they can be planted out in a few weeks time. And so long as you cane them you know, with a bamboo cane or some form of a stake or support, they will continue to grow taller and taller. And as I said, the children are always in awe of them for a couple of reasons, because of the size of the flower head number one and the height of the actual plant. The good thing about it then is at the end of the, the winter when that dies back, you can take the sunflower seeds should you choose and you could use them in the in the kitchen. You could keep them for seeds for regrowing next year or if you just leave the seed head there, you'll attract in the birds and they will come and eat them. So you're getting multiple benefits from that. It's a brilliant one if you decided that you wanted to you know, run, or run a competition for the so tallest sunflower if you have two or three or four children, whatever the case may be, and you, you get them all set up with a pot, let them sow their, their sunflower seed, and then you nurture them in the windowsill for a couple of weeks, and then you plant them outside, stake them, and then it's their job to water them, their job to give them a little bit of food as the summer progresses, and then maybe set a date, hopefully sometime in the future when we're all allowed back to the cinemas or to the favorite restaurants or whatever the case may be, set a date in time that by the last Sunday of July, we're going to measure these sunflowers. And whoever has the tallest sunflower can have an extra dollop of ice cream when we go out. So, you know, it's just something simple, but something that gives them a little bit of a, a little bit of initiative, something that uh, allows them to get excited by the project, I suppose. You could also do things like the best potted container. So if you have a couple of pots lying around, give them the compost, give them the flowers or the seed and allow them to create their own hanging basket or pot, whatever the case may be. And don't try and guide them too much. Just let them do their thing and see what turns out. Um, I'm sure in some cases there'll be odd combinations of plants, but I suppose that's what it's all about, having a bit of fun. Um, trying something different and seeing, seeing what the outcome is. Another thing you could do there is ask them to, and this is where you'll see them getting very creative, ask them to come up with the best pot that they can from recycled material. So whether that's 
getting old milk bottles and stapling stapling them together, cutting the tops off them and creating multiple pockets for compost and then creating a planter out of that or whether it's dragging out, maybe there was an old sink out the back that was, wasn't being used or had been taken out of the house, anything like that, anything that allows them to use their imagination to come up with a planter of some sort from a recycled material. So as I say, it gets their imagination going and you know, children, they're way better at recycling, we're way more interested and aware of it than a lot of the adults are. So it's good to let, the, let their imaginations run wild and let's see what they come up with. So that's point number four, grow your own flowers and you can add in a bit of competition there into that. Point number five is to decorate the garden. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of parents listening to this, um, not necessarily in agreement with what I'm going to say here, but if you have a, a garden shed, a fence, there's old pots or you need you have furniture that needs a revamp and you have the, the correct paint that you're looking to use, why not give them a couple of paint brushes or a roller and, and just let them at it. Not worrying too much about whether they get all the the gaps, whether they cover all the wood or they get all of the spots painted correctly. Just let them at it, let them have a bit of fun. If you're using, which which you obviously would if if you're giving paint to children, if you're using, you know, the all of the new paints now they're all water based. They all wash off very easily. They wash off clothes, they wash off hair and they're come in bright and vivid colours so like we revamped furniture last year it was all pretty grubby looking timber furniture and we revamped it with a kind of a sage coloured paint it was a water based paint really easy to apply and if you did get it on clothes or hands or you know anything like that it was very easy to wash off so just let them at it let them do their thing so that's point number five decorate the garden number six is one that I know as children we would have always done and it's uh, it's probably something that still goes on in, in schools and summer camps and so on but maybe not so much around home anymore. It's um, a nature trail. So what you do is you, you basically start with, you, you give them a sheet of paper, um, write out five, ten, whatever it is, amount of things on it and you ask them to go find that in the garden. So whether it's you go find an oak leaf or you go find a yellow flower a daisy, butterfly, a ladybird, a worm, a snail, whatever it is, a list of things that they can root around in the garden for and find. Things that you know are there maybe, but may not be obvious to the eye unless you go looking. So that type of thing, it just creates a bit of, as I say, curiosity. They get out, they have a bit of fun. Again, if you have a couple of them, they can they can have a competition or they can do it as a team. Some people might might not have a garden that has such variety in it maybe maybe your 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 garden space is is a green lawn and a couple of pots and that's fine there's no problem what you can do there is you can take something out of the kitchen so you take out an egg cup you take out a spoon or a, a salt cellar or whatever it is and you hide those things around the garden and they go onto the list but they're hidden out there hide them well because the better you hide them the longer you're going to get out of that activity so hide them very well and then, as I say, they'll be keen to get through them, keen to find the five or the 10 or the 15 items that you have on your list. And they will knock great fun out of that. So that's point number six, a nature trail. Point number seven, which is build a fort or a tent. And again, it's something that we would have certainly done as children. 
and it can be as elaborate or as simple as you want so essentially all you're looking to do here is create a mini room outside in your garden that they can call i suppose their their fort or whatever you want to call it a fort or a den or whatever and as i say it can be simple it can be literally a large sheet thrown over a couple of chairs or a couple of bamboo canes stuck into the ground and formed into a teepee with a sheet over it something as simple as that but when you do that get them to bring out maybe some cushions that you have bring out their teddies or their books or whatever it is and make it cozy make it somewhere that they actually don't mind staying out there for a little while you can have a picnic out there bring them out hot chocolate out there but as i say it becomes a secluded area uh, a no adult zone which is great for a little while for us as well so it becomes a little bit of fun a little bit of seclusion for them and they can go go into their own little world while they're out there and that's point number seven which is build a fort or a tent point number eight then is getting a bit creative not necessarily gardening related as such but you're going to depending on whether you have boys or girls or both you you might Get them to create their own fairy garden if it's boy all boys that you have they may not be interested in that so you can do things like an obstacle course so if it's a fairy garden for example so the, the fairy garden as as we all know you you have to have a fairy door in order for the fairies to enter our world so you can create a little door it can be made out of uh, cardboard or wood it can be painted into whatever colors they, they choose then they can get rocks and stones to decorate that garden as the fairies enter our world they enter into into a garden and they as i said they can design decorate and create a space that's especially for their fairies you can create an obstacle course outside so you're going to have them maybe crawling under a chair then hopping on one leg around a corner climbing over something or other and then going on their hands and knees back around and you're trying to do it maybe for time so you're, you just create little bits of fun something different and as i say all kids love running around jumping rolling falling in, on the ground and they're not great sport at that so that's point number eight so create their own fairy garden obstacle course or it could be limbo under a rope or whatever it is all of those you know, fun games that you can have point number nine then is i suppose slightly related to point number two it's it's identifying birds that are in the garden so again you may or you may not have a lot of birds in the garden so it depends on on your situation on your garden but think of the very simple ones the ones that you're sure of being there firstly so you might you, know, you might regularly get a robin so you put a robin on the list the sparrow thrush and um, whatever type pigeons or whatever type of bird it is that's in your area and you know that they're there and maybe one or two that are not always there but are there occasionally give them something with a little bit of intrigue as well and ask them to identify the birds and then maybe ask them to find out as much as they can about that bird so if it's the robin or the thrush or whatever it is ask them to find out as much information and they can do that everyone knows how they can do that whether it's books or or through some form of technology they can find all of this information and if they were able to come up with yes we found a robin out in the garden and this is what we know about robins and these are the stories and it just brings an awareness of nature and brings an awareness of the outdoors to them and then they're translating that to you as well so it becomes something that you you talk about and i suppose it becomes a bit of fun something that 
the family can talk about together. So that's point number nine, identify five birds or 10 birds, whatever it is. So it's identifying birds or wildlife, I guess, in your garden. Point number 10, and this is, I suppose we're gonna step back in time here, get a little bit inventive. Games that maybe a lot of the kids hadn't even heard of before. Games that we all would have played years ago. They are definitely different to, I suppose, games that can be played now on Nintendo Switch and whatever other games that you can get, all those types of handheld devices that you, that you can get now. But they'll be equally as good of fun and they will definitely remember things like this. So we're talking about things like Hopscotch, the three-legged race, egg and spoon race, uh, family sports day. So that's a great one if you can get all the family out into the garden. And then you're you're having a sports day and you're having it filled with different activities. You could have a penalty shootout if you have smaller kids. You could have a teddy bear's picnic again. You could you could use the the fort or the den that you have created to create a teddy bear bear's picnic. And so, all of those games, if you can get involved as well, it becomes something fun. And as I say, after all of this is over, then. Maybe the memories that they'll have of this time, of this kind of strange time, will be all positive memories. And positive memories of the family, positive memories of the family in the garden, which is what it's all about, really. Um, so that's it. That's been the 10 points. As I say, it's a little bit off topic, and I wasn't quite sure whether I should do something like this, because it is a gardening podcast. But the more I thought about it, mastering your own garden, what that means, again, as I say to me, is that you're happy and content in that space. You're creating memories in that space, whether that is a beautiful show garden or a vegetable garden, or it is literally just a lawn, then that's what mastering your own garden is about. It's about being totally content and totally happy in your garden, in your space. So that's been this week's episode. I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. As I said, that was a little bit off, off topic for us this week, but I think it's important given the situation we're all in at the moment. Uh, I hope you and your families all stay safe. If you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with your gardening friends. And you can find us on all the social channels. So it's Facebook, uh, John Jones at Master My Garden, and on Instagram at Master My Garden. If there's anything in the coming episodes that you'd like me to cover, just let me know. I'd be happy to do that. We have uh, quite a few podcasts coming up which have been requested by current listeners, and they'll be coming up in starting at episode number 11. So, really looking forward to those and that's basically it thanks for listening and until the next time happy gardening mm-hmm.